0: Well, welcome, everyone. I want to thank you for joining us for another episode of the Journey to Thrive podcast. I'm your host today, Jim Friend, and I'm the Director of Mission Advancement for the St. John Vianney Center. Our podcast is produced by the St. John Vianney Center. And if you like the content, I hope you're going to stick around and subscribe. If you're watching us on YouTube, please like this episode. That really helps us spread the word. Remember that you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Twitter, or X, And you can listen to this episode wherever you download your favorite podcast, or you can watch us on YouTube. I'll also leave links in the show notes of this episode to our guests today and to our website. And remember that you can always find more information about us by visiting sjvcenter.org. I want to welcome Al Riviezo and Jennifer Medeer to our podcast today. And uh, before we get started, I'm just going to offer a little bio on each of them for our listeners. Al is a partner at Fox Rothschild Law Firm with an office based in Exton. In Pennsylvania here, Al has over 45 years experience in health law representing healthcare providers, including physicians, medical group practices, hospitals and healthcare systems, ambulatory surgery centers and diagnostic imaging facilities in corporate and transactional matters. Al is the chair of the board of directors here at St. John Vianney Center, where he has served for over 10 years. Welcome Al. Good afternoon, nice to be here. here. Great to have you here, Al. And Jennifer Medeer is a psychotherapist and the owner and founder of Intuitus Group Independent Professionals based in Cedar Park, Texas, which is in the Austin area. Intuitous is a team of helping professionals drawn closer together by their common desire to support the dignity and integration of the human person and relationships. Jennifer's expertise is working with clients in the area of trauma. Jennifer is the past president of the Catholic Psychotherapy Association, and she also serves as a member of the board of directors here at St. John Vianney Center and is the chairperson for the Professional Services and Governance Committee. Welcome, Jennifer. So great to have you here. Thanks,
1: Jim. It's
0: good to be here. So I'm going to ask you both first just to share with us briefly what drew you to the mission of St. John Vianney Center. And I had the, the rare uh, opportunity to actually we kind of had these conversations when we did. We invited you both to participate in our welcome video for the day of prayer back in October. And I got to hear you both speak a little bit about uh, your love for the center and your love for our mission. And so for our audience here, uh, I'm going to ask you just to share a little bit about. What drew you here to St. John Vianney Center? And Jennifer, why don't we start with you?
1: Great. Yeah, absolutely. There are several things that really drew me into the mission of the St. John Vianney Center, uh, not the least of which is supporting the well-being of clergy and religious, and how that really just resonated with me as a Catholic and as a mental health professional. The men and women who have given their lives for a service in the church really need to know that we're here for them. Um, and the word stewardship always comes to mind for me yeah. as well. Just being good stewards of those who have given their lives to serve the church in such a unique way.
0: Wonderful. How about you, Al? You've been with us for over 10 years now?
2: What well, 13, first, I think. 13 oh, or 14. Yeah.
0: Oh, how about it? What? Yeah. Uh, and, and in that time, I'm sure you've seen a lot of changes and we're going to talk about some of those. Tell us a little bit about uh, what drew you into our mission.
2: Yeah, so I I grew up in Philadelphia, went to Catholic grade school, Catholic high school, Catholic college. So <laughs> uh, being a Catholic is a, just part of my being. And in those years, I had lots of contact with priests and men and women religious. And over the years, I had the highest respect and admiration for them. And a few back before we started here, before I started here, uh, one of my clients, who's a Franciscan nun, who also happens to be a, an emergency room physician up at St. Joseph's in Reading. She talked to me about joining the board. And once I learned about what it was that St. John was about, uh, I, I was very, very interested and very willing to become part of the program.
0: Wonderful. Wonderful. And Jennifer, um, as you mentioned, one of the things that's drawn you in is, is uh, your care for our clergy, uh, your understanding of their mission. And I know that you've worked with a number of clergy and religious in your practice. Uh, what are, Without betraying confidences, of course, but what are some of the challenges that you see that they're experiencing in our world? And, and what I mean by that is what are some of the common denominators among your clients that you've seen that uh, some of the challenges that they're facing in ministry today?
1: Yeah, absolutely, Jim. I, I have had the the opportunity and the privilege, really, to work with a number of clergy and religious kind of one-on-one in their personal journeys of healing, um, and there, there are lots of challenges that are not unique to them, and we're all human, right, but there are some that are particular, I think, to working with clergy and religious and struggles that they have just in... Living and thriving in our world today. And one of those central challenges that I see and hear frequently is how um, clergy and religious tend to have kind of their spirit, their professional identities. um, And, excuse me, um, those tend to be kind of both the same and distinct from their personal identities. Um, An example of this is maybe someone being stuck in, like, priest mode or nun mode um, all the time and feeling like just no one knows them, no one knows the real them, um, just as a person. Um, and has a hard, they might have a hard time kind of giving themselves a, a break from being in priest mode or nun mode and not um, that can impact their well-being for sure. Um, I I noticed that people who are really gifted in serving others often have some really early life experiences that have led them to be more in tune with the needs of others, which sometimes means that's at the expense of um, them realizing and tending to their own legitimate needs. Um, And so we have needs just as humans that um, we need to take care of ourselves in order to serve others. So that self-care and personal wellness is really essential, especially for, for them, for clergy and religious who are serving others all the time. And it's important for them to be able to live out their vocation um, in a particular way, in a sustainable way. And St. John Vianney Center helps clergy and religious to, to do that in various ways, both preventatively um, and Um, when folks find that they need a lot more in-depth care. Um, Others that I've worked with also find that living in community can bring up unresolved experiences, Um, maybe bringing up stuff from our families, our families of origin, that we thought we had left behind or we thought was just with another relationship, but here it comes up again with um, these people I'm living in with um, in community. Um, people might share that with me. And so then they struggle to cope with that effectively, um, and they need um, help to heal from and recover from maladaptive ways of coping with those issues. Um, Some of those maladaptive ways of coping might be things like addiction. Others might uh, be more trauma-related, but all of those patterns might you know, lead them to need more intensive support, whether it's in psychotherapy or wellness programs or even, you know, on-site like St. John Vianney Center provides. So those are just a couple of things that I've seen um, just generally and and repeatedly that I think are really relevant.
0: Sure, absolutely. And and I think in some degree, we can kind of even relate as lay people to what they may be experiencing because... You know, I, I sometimes when I would come home from work and I'd be talking to my wife, she'd say, whoa, whoa, you're still in gym Friend work mode. Like, take it uh-huh. down and that chair, you know, and you just need that space to just kind of be yourself. And, and um, when you're living in that environment, I would imagine when you're at the parish or you're at the rectory or you're, you know, you're just always Father Tom, you're always Sister Margaret. You never just get to be Tom or Margaret. Right. And so. I would imagine that that's that's pretty common.
1: Yeah, that that's exactly it. And yeah, like you underlined, Jim, it's it's a very human thing. Uh, someone who kind of embodies their vocation in that particular way um, yeah. might have a hard time finding space to be Jim. Right. To be right. Jennifer.
0: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I would also imagine um, because, you know, one of the questions I get is, you know, is this when you have folks come and stay with you at the center, is that mainly folks who are like having a midlife crisis or are they at some particular time in their life that they find themselves here? And, you know, we're finding that we have clergy and men and women religious at different points in their life. You know, we have, sometimes it's younger priests and sometimes it's midlife. Sometimes it's guys at towards the end of, of their career. And these things kind of hit them at different times, depending on their life experience or their own background and, um and thank goodness we have a place like our center to to be there for them in those moments of crisis but but also i think anytime you know throughout our life even a little tune-up whether it's they don't have to be in crisis they could come to someone like you and kind of work through some of those issues so that you know they can they can find their their center again
2: and there's almost there's almost a pressure on them where they can't be human beings that that being a priest or being a member of a religious community um, they're not allowed to be a person yes they, they're, they're constantly like you said they constantly need to be in that playing that role being in that mode right and that's got to be awfully stressful
0: it's got to be yeah yeah and and no, and no matter how much grace they receive at ordination <laughs> you know they're they're still human you know and um, yeah. and they, they get a lot of training and they get a lot of coaching and and all that, of course, and don't want to take anything away from that, but it's, we're all human. You know, God, I always say Jesus was both human and divine. Well, these guys are just human, right? Uh, They don't have the divine part. (laughs) So uh, we have to give them a little room to, to be themselves. Well, that's great. Thank you. Um, Al um, you, as we said at the beginning of the podcast, you've seen St. John Vienna center uh, go through a lot of changes. I know over the last 13 years, but especially in the last three to four, you know, you worked with our CEO David Schellenberger on making St. John Vianney Center an independent nonprofit organization, which was separate from the Archdiocese of Philadelphia. And and by the way, it was all indications where it was a very equitable solution, and and both organizations are doing very well. But I thought it would be interesting because you know it's interesting. I, I spoke with some uh, different church leaders over the last couple years. And not everybody was even aware that St. John Vigiani Center was currently independent, that we were, they thought that we were still under the auspices of the archdiocese. But that was a big, kind of a big transition moment for us as, as we began to kind of chart our, our own course. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what that experience was like and, and how that unfolded?
2: Sure. Well, when I first joined the board and understood what the structure was and how essentially the archdiocese was our member, as far as the, the, our corporation was concerned. Uh, after a few years, I thought we really ought to be independent of the archdiocese. Our, our, the breadth of our services were expanding, the reach of our services was, was expanding. And I thought we would be better served and I think the church would be better served if we were in fact independent. And uh, it just so happened that the archdiocese was thinking along the same lines. At the same time, so uh, when they approached us with the idea of uh, exploring the possibility of, of being independent, we were pretty pretty prepared to move forward fairly fairly quickly. Mm-hmm. And and I, I always say it's coming out from under. I don't want to make it sound like it was uh, any kind of an oppressive right. arrangement. But but we there were restraints. There were restraints on us, and uh, now. We we don't have to answer. We have a board of directors, a very active board of directors. And the, re- the the responsibility of the center is squarely on the shoulders of that board of directors. And each and every director takes that responsibility very seriously. And uh since since we've become independent, we've been able to expand even further than the services that we offer. And uh, we've also again expanded our reach to where we're now international in scope and and I, and on top of that, uh, our ability to raise funds was very much impaired because we didn't want to be soliciting the same donors that the archdiocese might be soliciting, so we we kept a very low profile but but uh, one tremendous advantage was to be able to create. A, an office of advancement that, that you had Jim and uh, and the results so far in a very, very short period of time have been very encouraging.
0: Absolutely and it's it was my honor to be the first advancement director and um, what was the one of the appealing pieces of this in coming to join you on the team was just the the scope of the of the work is so massive, right? There you know parishes and dioceses all over the country all over the world. Uh, and our role is to support, you know, our church ministers. That's such a a sacred sacred role, I think, for us as as a board, as an organization. And um, and have done some amazing things. The the uh, as you said, even in a short time over the last year and a half or so, uh, we're almost halfway through our to our goal of raising funds to start a new suicide awareness and education program for clergy and religious. And um, that's kind of been our, our main piece for this year. And it's just so uh, motivating to me to want to provide that kind of a service to our church leaders so that we can um, so we can help them help their own people and 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 identify where there are our problems and, and issues. So um, I think one of the other benefits was uh, we put out our first annual report last year, uh, and we'll be publishing our next one in just a couple of weeks. Uh, and hopefully, and if anybody uh, is listening to this and would like to get a copy, you can get our contact information in the show notes. But um, very excited about that. Any other any other comments, Al, about that that kind of that transition, or any other fruits that you've seen come from that uh, evolution? Well, we have
2: expanded our board to where we're national in scope now. Mm-hmm. So not only are, are our services offered throughout the country, we now have directors serving on the board who. Are in different parts of the country, Jennifer's in Texas, yep, yep. and uh, we have folks in California, and we continue to look to expand the board and the composition of the board not not only geographically but also looking at diversity issues and uh, given that we are a self-directed board of directors run organization we we can be very flexible in that regard, very nimble in that regard
0: absolutely. It's tremendous, and Jennifer, you now head our professional services and governance committee, uh, mm-hmm. and one of one of the roles of that committee is to I- identify and nominate new board members. Tell us a little bit about what are some of the challenges that your committee is looking at over the next year, too.
1: Uh, absolutely, uh, in the professional services and governance committee, we have a couple of roles, and one of those is um, to identify the needs of St. John Biani Center at the level of the board of directors. And we we try try to keep tabs on the skills and the personal and professional backgrounds and of the directors and other elements that each of us brings in our service. And that helps us to identify gaps and kind of plan for recruitment of new members um, or when others you know aren't able to serve anymore, their terms expire. Um, so Over the next year, um, we're looking at a couple of maybe areas of need that we hope to address. And so taking on those challenges, um, as Al mentioned, the geographical um, scope of the outreach of St. John Vianney Center and the board of directors has broadened. And so we're continuing to work on that. Um, It really is helpful to have directors in different areas of the US and beyond that helps us to kind of broaden our geographical perspective to get to know what um, the church and clergy and religious need in different states and areas of the country, different dioceses, et cetera. And that can lend perspective to the board um, to help us to be um, just in tune with those needs. Um, and know what needs that St. John Vianney Center can fill. So that's definitely a piece that we're continuing to work on. Um, The diversity of the board is also another challenge that we've um, taken on, wanting to increase the diversity of um, folks sitting on the board with regards to culture and race and ethnic backgrounds. Um, And we think that'll be helpful to help St. John Pagani Center to reach and continue to reach, actually, the clergy and religious who are from diverse backgrounds as well. Um, An example of why this is really important is the increasing number of priests serving in diocesan parishes that have been born in countries other than the U.S. And they've come here to serve almost in the U.S. as a mission territory of sorts. And then they become incarnated as diocesan priests, you know, for example, in Texas or in Pennsylvania, um, and they, they need support too. And we, um, St. John Vianney Center, and we, the church in general, need to know how to serve them best. So um, that's something we really want uh, to continue to take on at the board level and see um, how we can uh, make sure that our ears are tuned to their um, needs as well. Um, and then as Al men- mentioned and Jim mentioned, the uh, advancement efforts, um, you know, philanthropy is something the board has taken on as, as a challenge, um, in, in recent years. And so, yeah, as a nonprofit organization, St. Javiani Center does rely on donations for some areas of growth, um, and to develop. Scholarship funds for religious, for instance, who cannot afford the services of St. John Vianney Centers um, and might still have the opportunity to receive some training or care that can really help them individually or as a community. Um, So we've been working with you, Jim, and with others to identify um, people who might be able to make a significant financial contribution to St. John Vianney Center or who, who can help us to reach potential donors who really want to support the mission of St. John Fianney Center and join in that effort. So those are just a couple of the challenges that I'm thinking of right now.
0: <laughs> those are quite a few right there. Absolutely. That'll keep us busy for the foreseeable future. I um, think so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the diversity piece, I think, uh, ha- having worked with a number of different kinds of boards over the years, it's so important and i think sometimes it can be a real challenge too because you want to make sure that you are represented uh by the diverse nature not only of ethnicity men and women just the right mix of folks who are representing the needs of your constituencies and ours is far and wide and uh, so it's a big challenge Um, but thank you for what you're doing there i we're going to wrap up our conversation here but what i'd like to do is ask you both the same question But before I do, first, I want to thank you both, um, not only for sharing some time with us today on our podcast, but of course, for all you do for St. John Vianney Center. We're so grateful to you. Um, As board members, you both share your time, talent and treasure um, and, and as volunteers and as donors. So if someone's listening to this podcast and they might be wondering, why would I get involved with St. John Vianney Center or why would I give to St. John Vianney Center? What would your answer be? Jennifer, let me ask you this first.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, service allows us the opportunity um, to give God what we have, right? God always welcomes our gifts and asks us to give what we have, and he can make pretty amazing things out of that. I think of the story of the five loaves and the two fish, right? So um, just to encourage anyone who's watching and listening that what you have to give is enough um, for God to do something with it. Um And you know, in the same vein, you know, our, our obligation or what God calls us to is the gift um, and to be stewards in the way that, um, that we can of what he's given us. And part of what he's given us is the clergy and religious in our church um, and as lay people um, or, you know, others in the church. It's our obligation to you know, be good stewards of them in the ways that we can. We as a mental health professional, others in, in their kind of little V vocation. Um, that they live out. And so uh, joining in the mission of St. John Biani Center is one way that we can do that.
0: Absolutely. Well said. How about you, Al?
2: Well, um, religion in this country is under attack. Uh, the narrative is that organized religion is bad, and among the organized religions, Catholicism is the worst. Mm. That is that's the narrative. That is not the truth, however. The truth is, is that the Catholic Church in this country and throughout the world accomplishes many, many, many positive results. And St. John Vianney Center is determined to provide a wellness, both all together, body, mind, and spirit, a wellness resource for the Catholic Church. We We have multiple Roles here. We have an inpatient service. We have outpatient service. We have consultation, education, and outreach. We are we are helping the church stay well, both an all all in body, mind, and spirit. And that's what the mission of th- this St. John Vianney Center is. So, if Catholicism is part of your life and it's something that and you value your your identity as a Catholic. You you need to get involved with St. John Vianney.
0: Really well said, Al. You know, um, just to put an excl- exc- exclamation point on the end of that, I had um, I had somebody ask me, "Well, what is the profile of one of your donors? Like, who would want to give to St. John Vianney Center?" And I said to them, "Everybody. Everybody mm-hmm. has a stake in supporting our church ministers. You got in many cases, you got one guy supporting." 2,000 people at a parish. We got to support those folks. We have shrinking numbers of clergy and men and women religious all over the country. And everybody has a stake in that. They are the ones who are the body of Christ. They are the the heads of our, of our communities and of our parishes. And we have to support them. So who, who does this impact? It impacts every single person who's Catholic, who's listening to this podcast. So very well said. Well, thank you again, both of you, for for joining us today. I want to thank all of our listeners for joining us on Journey to Thrive today. Once again, you can find more information about our mission and ministry and information about Al and Jennifer in the show notes of this episode. And thank you again for joining us. We'll be back again in a few weeks. God bless.